Welcome to this week's Selk Grassroots Podcast, The Whistler, brought to you by the Down to Play app. Grassroots football is finally back and we're buzzing. Get Down to Play today, the UK's leading app for next game availability. Download Down to Play from the App Store and Google Play. Welcome to The Whistler. This is the new referees podcast with everything discussed. My name is Mark Steer and I'm the referees manager of the SSFL. This is the second podcast Thanks, Mark. My name is Graham Robb. I'm the chairman and the league secretary of the Southern Sunday Football League. Um, and I'm also a Surrey County FA referee and have been for 20 years. So this season is my 21st season uh, refereeing. And I'm delighted to come on tonight. Thank you, Mark, um, to deputise for Chris, um, who is away this week. We're going to introduce our special guest now, which um, is a pleasure for her, us to have on the podcast. One of the longer standing referees on the Southern Sunday Football League. Um, and I'm not going to give their name away. I will allow them to introduce themselves. Thank you, Graham. Thank you, Mark. Uh, my name is Alexandra Lupano. Um, I'm a referee for the Southern Sunday Football League. Um, I'm a level six referee and I've been refereeing for about 10 years now. So I think this is my... 10th or 11th season so uh so I've seen quite a lot in my in my tenure so far thank you for joining us today Alex um um what I'm going to do is just rally off a few questions I'll let you answer them as we're going through um and if uh, you want to jump in at any time just just jump in I mean we all know this is a podcast that we can all chat to uh Graham you can jump in as well well, I was just going to say on that, Mark, I am going to jump in right at the very, very beginning before we get on to the formal bit. And I was just going to say, Alex, so out of those 10 years, how many have you done with the Southern Sunday? Because it seems like you've been with us for 10 years. Yeah, I can't I can't quite put my finger on when I started, but it must be probably about seven or eight. I think I got onto the Southern Sunday pretty early on in my referee career. And I, yeah, I, I remember I, you coming from where kind of you were to where you are now. Just seems a lot longer than seven years. It's amazing how time goes, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, time goes when you're having fun, so. <laughs> Sorry, Mark. It, and that's all right, that's what it's all about, having fun. So, um, obviously, the first one is, how did you get into refereeing and how do you think your journey's going up to now? Um, so, yeah, so I used to play football before, so I played for kind of a local team in Wandsworth. Um, and then I had a season with QPR, ladies um but I just found kind of the location where I where I was in southwest London um traveling all the way up there for, for training and matches it just wasn't feasible anymore um I was also kind of in university at the time so I didn't have as much time back then to dedicate to to playing football um my sister as well my younger sister was starting to do a referee course at that same time as well um, so she then refereed for a season and then suggested I get involved um, just to just to keep myself in the game. And uh, and yeah, it was it was good. It was fun. I've tried to meet your sister a couple of times to referee, <laughs> but she won't have it. She just continues to play. Yeah, she likes to play now. But uh, but yeah, I've, I've got the refereeing bug. So I've, I've stuck with it. Just on that point, I saw some interesting stuff that's come out, actually. It's quite a live topic, really, about kind of players that when they come to the end of their careers, 
whether they should then be kind of fast-tracked into um, refereeing. That seems to be, obviously, with the national shortage that's going on, um, quite a live topic. What's your thoughts about that, Alex? Yeah, I mean, I think, obviously, you need to take into account what experience they've had. Um, I found it quite useful to to go through, let's say, the whole course rather than be fast-tracked because there might be bits that you might not fully understand as from a viewpoint of a referee. Um, and it's always handy just to get a refresher anyway. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, due to this shortage, you know, if you can fast track a few players, then that, that would just help the situation in the short term. Do you also think at the moment that there could be a potential kind of like a dual role where people could still carry on playing and referee at the same time at kind of like a midweek league or like a Sunday afternoon or something like that? Do you think that's something that, that we might see more of in the short term? Yeah, I know a few people that are doing that already. You know, I think they play midweek or they play Saturdays and then they referee on Sundays. Um, and yeah, you know, just having the background of, of being a player, you understand you understand more the movement of the ball, the movement of the players, their sort of attitudes towards the game as well. So it is advantageous to have played beforehand. One of the things that we're focusing on a lot on the Southern Sunday is around equality, diversity and, and around inclusion. And that's kind of one of the reasons why we've got you onto the podcast. You were one of the very first female referees, essentially, that refereed games on the Southern Sunday. Um, how was that for you kind of all those years ago, kind of getting on board? How did that make you feel? Was it something that you were really confident about? Or what was your feelings? What was your thoughts about a, a, a much younger age than what you are now? joining an established kind of men's 11 aside league it must have been tough Graham, she's, yeah, only, quite... she's only mm-hmm. 21 <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much i'll pay you the tenor after <laughs> um yeah when i first started so i started doing more kind of uh, academy games so i was doing um millwall ladies uh millwall girls mostly um i tried to do a couple of games at arsenal um, academy as well and also did Charlton and that and that was a good way to get in um, doing more youth games and I had uh, there was like a female officials coordinator called Alan Hill and so he introduced me to a lot of those sort of academy games that got my that got my confidence up and, and the games under my belt um, so that when I did make the transition to an adult league um then I felt that, that that was within my capabilities to, to referee. So um, could you give us an example in your time that you've refereed, um, that you've had a low moment when you, and did you get any support at all? Um, so, yeah, I think there was one back in about 2008 or 2009. I was, I was on the line uh, for a midweek league and um you know, on the line, obviously, you need to give offsides. Uh, so it was like the 93rd minute or right at the end of the game. And there was an offside that I had to give. Um, and one of the players, uh, an adult male player, was uh, getting quite frustrated that he was getting called offside all the time. So then he ended up um, basically telling me that I don't know how to referee and that girls shouldn't be allowed on the pitch. Um, so that was that was quite... Did he actually of- say that to you, Alex? Yeah, yeah, and the referee heard that as well, sent him off. Um, he wasn't leaving the pitch and he wanted to stand on the sideline that I was officiating. 
even though his all his belongings and everything was on the other side. So we had to wait quite a while before he would leave the, the pitch area. So that that was quite intimidating. I, I'd never had anything like that before either. So I was I was quite shaken up by it. Um, but luckily the league um, were really supportive at the time and I had other referees with me and uh, and the teams were obviously uh, quite supportive as well. So I was lucky in that sense. Unfortunately, London FA didn't do their right uh, discipline actions. So it actually lapsed. So I don't think the player actually got any... Um, got any... Not reprimand. Uh, yeah, for his actions which was very frustrating. Um, I was going to say to you, so for that incident essentially to happen and the referee to give you sounds like fantastic support right there and then, because, um, you know, we've all heard of incidents quite recently where we know that assistants have been um, abused and essentially referees have not backed their assistants and have just allowed them to, to just be abused and, and not take any action at all. In this instance, obviously, the referee did absolutely the right thing. How does it make you feel then that the county FA um, really, really quite let you down? Um, you know, because they talk the county FAs and the FAs quite strongly around diversity, equality and inclusion, that they're doing so much work about making the game so much more inclusive. I mean, that must be just a kick in the teeth. It must be devastating for you. Yeah, that that was really disappointing. Um, with that league as well, there was actually another female referee that had kind of a similar incident a few weeks before, and that also lapsed. Um, I mean, the league were great in, in supporting and, and badgering the London FA to do their job but unfortunately in that case they they let it lapse. Um, I think that is something that that we've got an opportunity on this podcast just to say so, so as the league secretary of the Southern Sunday the governance and discipline structure essentially sits outside of leagues so leagues are actually very limited in terms of what they can do in terms of suspending teams removing teams and player registrations there's a very very strict process to do and essentially unless the referees and the leagues have got the backing from the county FAs, then you're right, Alex, this sort of thing is going to happen. And, and unfortunately, it, it's not going to progress. It's not going to go anywhere. Um, hopefully, if we learn one thing out of COVID with all of the discrimination that's gone on is that, you know, we need to stamp this out of football because it's absolutely got no no place. And yeah, I'm really sorry to hear that that experience. That, that's, that's quite sad, really. Yeah, same here. So what changes within refereeing would you like to see now? Um, well, I think obviously the, uh, you know, the kind of abuse assaults that the referees are getting nowadays, to know, it just seems to the cases since COVID, especially just seem to have seemed to shot up. Um, hence, probably why there are referee shortages, which I guess we'll touch on later. Um, so yeah, just kind of support. And also, I think a bit more transparency with the London FA would be good as far as if they're if there are teams that are getting a lot of discipline reports in against them, uh, whether there would be kind of a, a website or something that you can that you can see in fellow cases, um, because there is a lot on social media of videos of referees getting assaulted and everything, and that's not really the right way to go about it. You no, said, Alex, that. sorry, Mark, I was just going to say, just um, while it's fresh in my mind, you said, Alex, around that since COVID, 
how much worse do you think it's got since COVID? And why do you think that it's got worse since COVID? Is there any driver can you see as a, as a referee that's behind that? Well, I'm not sure if it's, if it's just being brought more to the forefront, you know, with social media, with these uh, referees and everything. So maybe it's just more prevalent than it was before. Um, I actually thought it would go the other way and players would be happy to get back onto the pitch and, and be able to play, considering they haven't been able to for kind of a year or two. Um, oh, I, just, I would agree with you there as well. I would agree with you. Yeah, I think that's all. I think that's a bit strange. I think that's a bit strange. Um, yeah, you just wonder about people's mentality. And, and I don't think necessarily, you know, it's um, kind of like whole teams. It just seems to be one or two individuals within teams. They just seem to have slipped through the net. Um, so you know, what, what do you think teams can do in that situation? It's very, very difficult. I guess if you're short of players and you're recruiting, how then do you weed out essentially who is going to be a troublemaker and who isn't? It's really quite difficult for the clubs, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's difficult for the clubs. And also when, um, you know, some sometimes clubs go uh, go bust because they don't have enough players either. So they, they want to keep those players. And, and it might even be that the players are quite talented. Um, so, you know, they would want to keep them on for that reason as well. So, you know, obviously you'd like a, a zero percent tolerance approach to, to it and just say, you know, one, one time and you're out. But um, you do, you do have some teams that do that though, to be fair. It is, it is probably the minority that are condoning effectively what their players are doing. So, so Mark's question was around kind of what change do you want to see refereeing? So you've kind of touched on kind of grassroots, and I guess this is what this is all about. What about the professional game? Because we know that the professional game has such a, a powerful influence on what goes on at, at grassroots level. Um, even from men's football, even down to youth football, you know, if they see players diving around, you know, that, that now goes on in youth games. And, and Mark and I were over at Clapham Common uh, the week before last, and we saw some very inappropriate behaviour go on at an under-13s game. Um, and some of that behaviour, I think, that you know, they have clearly copied from the professional league. What do you think, in terms of changes that they can make at the senior game, that would help us out at grassroots? Yeah, I mean, even sin bins, for instance, you know, we, we have to deal with sin bins, um, but they still see players hounding the referee on Premier League games, so then they think that's okay. Um, you know, sometimes you can you can kind of catch what they're saying or get the drift of what they're trying to say to the referee. And then they say on a Sunday, well, you know, we see it done in the Premier League. Why can't we do it here? Um, and, you know, you in any other job, you wouldn't be treated like that. So why, why would you expect that as a referee and why would you have to deal with that? I guess from their perspective, you know, they're selling their product for millions or billions of pounds all around the world. And of course, what they want always, and I've heard this story, I don't know how true it is, but kind of referees are like told where they can to try and keep it 11 v 11 because they don't want the product essentially kind of spoiled. Um, I don't know whether there is anything in that, but certainly I think you're right. When you see some of the behaviour that goes on and the referees just stand there and take it, when players are blatantly screaming in their face, or you had the incident with um, Chelsea at Liverpool, didn't you? Sorry, Mark, to have a pop. But there's like six or seven players surrounding the referee. And I think they have done it quite a few times. I think they've done it more than any other club. And just keep finding them is not working. I mean, they've got a billionaire owner, 
a few twenty thousands here and there isn't going to make any difference in terms of changing player behaviour, is it? No. Sorry, Mark. No. It's not pocket changes, isn't it? <laughs> so another question is: Do you have a superstition or a match day ritual that you do before games? Um, not a superstition as such, but I'm I'm kind of one of those referees that don't really see the form of the teams before I referee them. Um, I kind of don't like to look at the table unless it's really at the end of the season where, you know, you could be playing first v second or a title contender. Um, but I like, I like to just go in with a, with a fresh mind and referee basically what's in front of me. Um, you know, I don't, I don't like to go in with, the, with any opinions on any of the players or any of the teams. Um, is that something you've always done, Alex? Or you um, did somebody tell you to do that? Or did someone tell you to look up the teams? Because referees are really different on this. Some referees would mm. say they like to do the preparation and kind of know what the result was last week and that kind of thing. And then others just like to go into it with a, a complete blank canvas and an open mind. It's quite, quite strange how different referees are, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, like you said, referees do, do kind of both ways. Um, I've always just stuck to that way and I just like to referee what's in, what's in front of me. Um, yeah. So that's just, the, that's just the way I've stuck to. What do you, what's, what's your kind of um, way that you manage it essentially kind of before you start the game, because you've also got that scenario, haven't you, where sometimes the referees get in the captains and they kind of give a bit of a brief spiel before I'm not going to take that. I'm not going to put up with that. I'm not going to put that. And of course, inevitably what happens within five minutes is the referee will let something go that either he or she hasn't seen that they said that they were going to stamp out. And of course the players then are all on the referees back. Well, you said that you wasn't going to give that. What's your view on that kind of style of approach before a game? Yeah. So I like to, um, I like to call in both captains at the same time, just before I do the the coin toss at, at the beginning. Um, also, if I'm on my own and I, and I use a club linesman, I tend to bring them in as well. So then there's four people that are listening to the same set of instructions. Um, I like to keep it quite general. I, I basically say, you know, you, you, you are the captains of your teams. You know your players better than I do. Um, so I'm going to come to you for help. I don't particularly want to be given yellow cards and red cards. So, you know, I'll try and do a stepped approach. But if you can help to referee your team, basically, so that you, you don't have a disadvantage in the game, um, then I, I find that mostly works because then you get the, the captains on side. Can I just pick you up on something? And it's really quite interesting because I know Mark does this on his games as well, which is around bringing the club assistants in before the game. And I know we've had a lot of discussion, haven't we, in our Southern Sunday referees WhatsApp group in recent weeks yeah. around the use of mm -hmm. club assistant referees. And what's your kind of best guidance and best advice then, both of you really, because you're saying that you bring in the assistants. What do you say then in front of the captains? What are, what are your asks? What is your expectation of what the club assistants are going to do? So on my, on my, um, my, my spew, um, I say to him, I want three things from the assistant. Um, the assistant. I don't want you to, um, I want you to assist, not insist. So, I want you to do offsides. I want you to keep your flag up. Don't run along the line. Otherwise, you'll make yourself look silly. Just stand there. If I deem that it's offside, the whistle will blow. If not, you'll hear me shout, play on. 
advantage. Uh, the second thing is throw-ins. If it takes a nick off the player on the line where I haven't seen it, then I'll go with you because I wouldn't have seen it. But if I um, change your decision around, it's something that I have seen that you haven't seen. So don't feel upset that I'm um, overruling you. And the third one is uh, corners. Just stand a, a step behind the corner flag. So if it swings out of play and swings back and comes back into play, I just want you to put your flag up and walk to the six, uh, walk along to the six-yard box. Everything else I deal with. I don't want you flagging for free kicks. I don't want you flagging for uh, penalty decisions. I will do all that myself. And so the, when the captains hear that, they know that I'm actually telling them, I said, and then obviously if you've got players that are going to keep um, changing with the flag, I want you to tell them what I've just said to you. And that's basically it. That's what I say to them. I love the line, yeah, you're there to assist, not insist. Yeah. That's always something that I've always been told for years and years and years. And that's always stuck with me. And I love it when people use that line. It's, um, it's really good. Alex, what about you? Do you do anything different to Mark? Yeah, I do. I do roughly the same. So, um, you know, I kind of give them, let's say, goal kicks, um, throw-ins as their main kind of role. Then I ask them both if they're happy doing offsides, um, you know, because obviously they might not be, um, in which case then I would take that decision. But if they are, which most of the time they are, then I just tell them to put their flag up and keep it up. Um, but then ultimately I will deem whether something's onside or offside. Because uh, it might be a case that that player stops and another player carries on running, in which case then that's onside. Um, and at that point, I also tell the captains to tell the defence to play to the whistle because um, I don't I don't want them to see the flag go up. They stop playing and then there might be a goal that then, you know, might give me a bit of a, a bit of a headache or something because they stop prematurely when actually they shouldn't have done. I'm going to reverse this round on you, Graham. What do you say? Well, I don't do anything really differently to you either. I mean, for me, it's ball in and out of play at corners, throws and goal kicks. And I always say on the throws, essentially kind of anything that's in your third, you know, I'll kind of let you go. Anything that's in my third, I'll go. Anything that's in the middle third, obviously lots of eye contact. You point in the way that you're going to go and then I'll look at you or I'll kind of overrule you the other way. But if I do have to overrule you, I'll take responsibility essentially for the decision and I'll take the heat and I'll take the flak um, away from you. I think the offside is the tricky bit. I think the offside is always the tricky bit about, I think sometimes the assistants get a bit flag happy and they rather than keep it down so that they're making sure that the right one is run through, that they're onside, they then flag it. And then obviously you then in the middle then have to make a decision about, well, actually he's come from behind, so he's onside. I mean, I have one in my game on Sunday where a player's clearly come from behind, but there was another player offside. He then kind of stopped and then came back, wasn't interfering. Ball ends up in the back of the net. And then all of a sudden, the flag's then gone up. And it's like, well, hang on a minute, what's going on here? And I overruled the club assistant and said, I understand that that player was offside, but the guy who's actually run through and put it in, he's not offside. And to be fair to him, he put the flag down and he was very vocal and said to his team, no, the referee is absolutely correct. It was the player that then ran from behind. And then I went over to him and said, thank you very much for your honesty. Because he didn't flag until the ball ended up in the back of the net, which goes against that early flag, which is what you've both said that you would prefer. So it's yeah. quite interesting, isn't it? It is. He's, he's, he's like different refs do different things. So 
So if you think of kind of we've got a lot of new referees that are coming onto the um, league and coming into the game, we've got some young referees who like to listen to podcasts. Let's put you on the spot then, each of you. Uh, Alex, starting with you, what is the one piece of advice you would give a referee in terms of dealing with and managing club assistants? What's your best hint or your best tip? Um. So, yeah, kind of similar to, to what I say to them, really, maybe bring them in because um, then you have the captains to, to be able to explain to the to the club assistants. Um, sometimes you're lucky and you get two good ones. Sometimes you get one that just stays at the halfway line smoking a smoking a cigarette. So. <laughs> or on the phone. <laughs> or on the phone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's probably worth then trying to change it and see if they've got another sub. Um I would say that, I mean, the most contentious part of the game is whether it's a goal or not. So, you know, try try and be kind of in that area, um, kind of maybe pretend really that you don't have an assistant referee there, um, just so that you can you can be in line um, and ultimately say that it's, it's your call at the end of the day. So, you know, if you see the flag go up, it's up to you to give it, not, not them. I would, you, probably, I would probably go with exactly what Alex is saying. Um, from the start of this season, I can honestly say I've had club assistants probably twice. The rest of the times, most teams have only turned up with 11. Um, mm. So I'm doing everything myself anyway. But obviously, I would speak with the captains as well and say to them, look, everything's on me. If I've made the wrong decision, I'll hold my hands up. Um but more often than not, you do get help from the actual uh, team captains and they're very vocal with you. It's, it's, it's one of them things where if you think, if you think that the, assist, the, the assistant is cheating, you can just go up to him and say to him, look, I, I want you to put the flag down and then obviously you've got to remove the other one at the same time yeah. because you can't have one on one side, one on the other. But... In all fairness, I don't think really when I since I've been refereeing on the Southern Sunday, there hasn't been anyone that's actually probably stuck their flag up every time the ball's gone forward. So I haven't really, I haven't removed, I don't think, one assistant referee at all on this league. I saw a tweet actually earlier on today. So we're recording this on Tuesday. I saw a tweet earlier this afternoon from a club, or it might have not been a tweet, someone might have WhatsApped me. And they made a really, really good point and said, they, they don't think people essentially go out or the majority don't go out to deliberately cheat. It's just that they're a bit uneducated. They're not qualified. They're just, they've been asked probably to do a job that they didn't expect or don't really want to do. Um, and actually they're just kind of muddling through, just trying to do their best. And, and you do see it quite a lot, don't you? You see that Tony Adams where the arm comes up at the back and obviously they're trying to then influence the club assistant to then put their flag up. I mean, they're just trying to do their best. And I think, you know, a good experienced referee, I think will sniff that out quite quickly and stamp it out really. But for a lot of new officials coming in the game, I think that's kind of why we've elaborated on this bit of the conversation, just so that we can give some benefit of our many, many years experience, yeah. I think, on the call. And also, you know, another thing as well, in our referees group that we've got on the Southern Sunday, we do ask a lot of questions. Some videos are put in there sometimes. Would you give offside? Would you give a penalty? Would you give a free kick? And it's nice to get that interaction with some of them thinking what they would give yeah. when they come on board. And like it's exactly what you're saying, trying to educate them. So, yeah, I think I that's a good so. point. Yeah. 
I just yeah, wanted I think, to just cover uh, that. I think that's a really important. I think that's a really important subject. Sorry, Alex, you want to come back in? Sorry, yeah, I just wanted to say about the uh, the assistant referees as well. Just always say thank you to them as well because uh, yeah. they probably wouldn't want to uh, wouldn't want to line. Um, so generally, when they give kind of throw throw ins. Um, I, I normally put my thumb up and say thank you if if I if I go with them, um, and just show that sort of appreciation because obviously they didn't wake up wanting to be a Lions person, uh, you know they'd rather play. So for them for them to to offer themselves and volunteer themselves, then it's uh, yeah I need to appreciate that as well. So there you go. If you're a new referee or young referee, two bits of key advice I would say is just come out of that. So. Get them, get them into the uh, discussion with the captains at the beginning so that everybody hears what's going on. And let's appreciate them. We as referees want to be appreciated. So while they're running the line, they're part of the officiating team, aren't they, really? So um, I think that's a great point, Alex. I think very well said there. Very well said. Fair play. Fair play. Right. What has been your highlight of your refereeing career so far? So cup final, what ground you've been to? What has been your highlight? Um, so I've, I've been lucky enough to have uh, quite a few. Um, at the beginning of my career, there were quite a few charity games that I was that I was helping out in. Um, so I had I had the privilege of um, of refereeing at Emirates, um, refereeing at Fulham, and Fulham's lovely ground. Um, <laughs> refereeing at Watford. Um, so that was a nice uh, that was a nice kind of bonus to get at the end of the season. Um, kind of more day to day. Yeah, I think I think it would have to be um, refereeing actually on the Southern Sunday, having a final in the middle, um, because up to that point I had I had a few finals, but always on the line, and that was my first one in the middle, um, and the game went really well as well. So I was just uh, I was buzzing off that. We didn't pay you in advance just to confirm to say that, did we? <laughs> I'll actually say um, that I, I was glad that I actually appointed you um, to referee in the cup final. Me and Graham were in discussions that season. I actually took over from Graham doing the referee's appointments. And we always have a discussion towards the end of the season. Mm. People are appointing on what games. It all goes on merit. And um, your name was popping up big time. So that's yeah, no, it was, it, was a, it was a great privilege. I really enjoyed that day. Um, as I said, I had a, a, I was lucky enough to get a few finals before on the line, but it's, it's special when you're in the middle. Had you done a fourth, Alex, before as well? Did you done a fourth? I, yeah, I had done a fourth. Yeah, uh, a couple of times earlier, I think. So, um, how many so Southern yeah. Sunday finals have you had now? You probably had three or four, have you? I think I've had three now. That's... I think I've had one on the line, a referee, and then fourth official. So you've got a set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just need to get the other assistant. <laughs> <I've done before. laughs> if your marks are good enough, you'll probably get another middle. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I think that's good. Um, in, just in terms of your um, experience, Alex, being a, a female official and in, interacting then with three male colleagues on a cup final, what's that experience like? Um, I wouldn't say it's any different from uh, being with being with females. You know, we're all referees at the end of the day, so uh, we're there to do a job. Um, and everybody that I've come across so far have been really, really nice and friendly. And there's been that sort of uh, bond of, of referee family, so to speak. So, um, 
Is it so quite yeah, difficult uh, when you have to, obviously you'll have to get changed in a separate changing room. Does that break down the communication or does it not have any effect? You just go there, get changed and you go back and it's all fine. Yeah, either I get changed first and then the other guys are outside and then we kind of swap over or or there is another room. Sometimes they're not. there's not the same kind of camaraderie because obviously I'm not with them getting changed. Um, but no, you know, otherwise I just go in and then it's a, it's a job as usual, really. There was one point I was going to ask you about um, this, like the start of this season. So obviously during COVID, I was in discussions with you and uh, you only came back in August due to, obviously we know family reasons and that why you wasn't refereeing. Um, at one stage when I did actually speak to you, you wasn't going to come back. And um, yeah. I'm glad I actually talked you round. Um, but what was your feelings at that time? When I, when I started refereeing, all those years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I, never going to live that down now. <laughs> um, I always said that when I'm going to, when I stop enjoying it, it's when I'm going to stop. Um, you know, it's not, it's not fair to kind of do something that you don't have a hundred percent passion in. Um, and also it could rub off on the teams. It could rub off on the games. So, you know, when the fun stops, stop, as they say. Um and I was already starting to kind of not enjoy it. Um, I think some of, because if you've got two nice teams and it's a really nice game and a really challenging game, then then all is all is well. But if you get a few players that keep on having a go at you or the decisions don't go the right way or whatever, then it can really affect your your kind of emotions with regards to refereeing. So I was starting to kind of not enjoy it much anymore. Then COVID came and then obviously we had to be uh, very cautious about how how everything was, was kind of going on, what was happening. Um, I personally didn't feel comfortable going back on a pitch just because I, I thought the risk of contracting COVID was quite high and I didn't want to bring that back to my family. Um, so yeah, I decided to not. And then I think probably quite a lot of people maybe be after COVID have, have just not come back um, and I was probably going to be one of those as well um, but yeah then Mark you, you called me up and said that there were a few teams that wanted me back on and um, and so yeah I'm, I'm giving it another go it's been a bit difficult I have to admit there was there was a game a couple of weeks ago that ended very sourly um, which is quite difficult to get over already when you're kind of to and fro as to whether to stay or not but uh, I'll, I'll persevere and, and see how we get on I was gonna I was gonna <laughs> ask you about I was just gonna say I was gonna ask you about that um so yeah that was that was some um couple of individuals of a club you know making inappropriate you know sexist comments on the football pitch and you know you did absolutely the right thing um by sending them off obviously the sanctions gone into the county so it, it's kind of our job really to kind of hold the FA to account to make sure that they are going to issue the appropriate punishment and actually you know the two game kind of standard suspension for us 
it's just not good enough. I think if you're going to make discriminatory comments, you know, that we know that that mm. should be a sort of minimum of a six-game ban. I think it is six-game ban. I think a £75 fine, I think, is the minimum for a first offence. So, yeah, just to let you know that, that we have got your back, you know, you've got our full support as a league and um, we'll do all we can to lobby the FA to make sure that the appropriate punishments have been given. But thinking about kind of the overall of a kind of context of what you've just said to kind of fall out of love and then kind of be persuaded then to come in and then for that to happen so quickly how do you feel now because it kind of feels like you're in a bit of a not one way or not the other at the moment yeah I think it's just a case of seeing the season out or seeing it out until at least Christmas and then seeing what I want to do then um obviously like you said it is it was kind of difficult to have that with my I think it was my third or fourth game of the season um and so to have that early on already when I was pondering whether to stay wasn't ideal um but yeah I'll just need to see I think that was I think it was a new team uh that was in the league so perhaps you know generally I've had really good experiences with the teams in the Southern Sunday so maybe that was just an anomaly. Um, I hope it is, obviously. I think we hope it is as well, to be honest. Um, what's your view just on that? Um, when we're talking about kind of punishments for discriminatory incidents, you know, you see in international football, I mean, I don't watch a lot of international football, as you well know, but, you know, I've been made aware that the Hungarians, I think it was quite recently, um, in terms mm. of racist chanting and abusing England players. And then you think, you know, they get these paltry fines and essentially kind of the same thing happens at grassroots level as well, where the fines and the suspensions are not, in my view, not long enough. What would you like to see the FA and the county FAs do to try and tackle some of this? Yeah, I, I think that as well, you know, if it is just a, a six match ban, you know, that could be kind of six weeks or even shorter if you're, um, if you're playing midweek as well. Um, so, yeah, it would be nice to to get more of a stronger punishment because um, then that shows that obviously it's not tolerated at all. Yeah, and I think because we, we've seen as well, haven't we, some referees being assaulted and actually, you know, they don't get lifetime bans from football. I mean, how can you not get a lifetime ban for assaulting a referee? I, I, it seems to me if you did that in society, you would be punished for it. But if you did it on a football pitch, the rules, you seem to be exempt from the law. I don't quite get that. Yeah, neither do I. I don't understand it. Yeah, oh. you see a lot of this on, on social media now. Um, as I said, it's kind of become more prevalent, the whole discrimination. And um, it's good that it's being talked about more because it's raising the awareness. Um, but at the same time, it just seems to, it just seems like it's getting worse. Because there was the one, and that leads us into the next bit of the discussion for kind of the last sort of 10 or 15 minutes, which is around kind of the referee shortage and where we are at the moment. And just on assaults in the last day or so, I think you've probably seen the video on social media in Italy, I think it was, yeah. where someone's yeah. just got a clump, just punched literally straight to the head. And what kind of my disappointment on that is kind of nobody seemed to have the referees back. Nobody kind of came running in to kind of support him or try and get the guy away and... I mean, that's, it's not just an English problem, is it? It's a refereeing problem. Yeah, yeah, it's just international. Um, I remember when I kind of, when I started, I was doing um, a youth tournament in Denmark. 
So for a, a couple of weeks, every summer, we would go over. And there were some real horror stories there about players chasing referees um, and the referees having to hide in the toilet because uh, because they were just getting chased by, by international teams because it was an international tournament. So it is um, it is quite worrying. And also from a safety aspect as well, you know, referees don't want to necessarily put themselves in a position where they might... Uh, where they might experience that or, you know, hopefully not, but even even worse, maybe. Um, a lot of referees on the weekends as well, referee on their own. Yeah. So they have um, they don't have assistance with them. So they have to really rely on on the teams to uh, to kind of just look after each other. Yeah, kind of like a self-policing type thing, you know, because we've all got to get back to our cars uh, afterwards. And for those people that don't drive, and I remember many years ago when I didn't drive, being really, really isolated because I didn't have that safe space to go back to either half time or full time if there were problems. Um, you just kind of wanted to get out there and you didn't know whether the player that was abusing you was going to get on the same bus or on the same mm-hmm. train or in the same tube. That's scary. Um, and, and this is real. This is real. Um, so I think kind of we know what the problems are in terms of, you know, we've got a referee shortage. We know there's problems with kind of violence and aggression and bad attitude. What they're the problems. What do we think are the solutions? I would probably, I'm going to say something first. I think the referee courses are too dear. Yeah. And as well. And having, I know, I think you, you had a mentor, Alex. Um, Yeah. I think all the referees should uh, be able to have a mentor for the first, at least half a season. Uh, but there, then again, there's not enough mentors out there. So in a way, you're in a no you're in a no win situation at the moment. Uh, I think the referee course is far too expensive. Um, I mean, when we when we had when we had obviously we've still got COVID, but at the COVID at its peak, when we were all doing Zoom calls, we could have done courses on on Zoom. Obviously, you can't do the practical bit on Zoom, but you could have got more people on board. That never happened. There was no courses yeah, at all. I, yeah, I remember when my sister started, she actually got a grant to do the referee course. Um, you know, so I think more funding probably needs to go in in that way. Um, you know, a lot of schools, I think, used to do refereeing courses. I don't, I don't hear of that anymore. Yeah, um, I've heard of refereeing courses being run through like Duke of Edinburgh Award and things like that, where, you know, people, young people have got involved and it, it just all seems to have dried up. And the other thing that I was thinking of today, I don't know whether any of uh, you two guys remember, probably about 10 years ago now, there was something which was called the FOMOA incentive scheme, where yep. for every game you refereed, you used to get your little book signed and then you used to be able to buy a kit and buy equipment and stuff using the points at the end of the season. Do you remember that? Yeah. yeah, I've still got my referee bag from that. <laughs> wow. Well, all those years ago, Alex, all those years ago. Yeah, and I've got my whistles from there too. My nice Fox 40s. <laughs> what happened to that? Because that just, it was here today, gone tomorrow. I mean, that I know was a real good incentive. I mean, it was called yeah. an incentive scheme. It genuinely was because the more games that you refereed, the more points you got. And probably you guys like me always got up to the max 1,500 every year and you could get a nice new kit and a little something kind of on the side. That'd be nice to have something like that back, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think I've still got the kit from there from about nine years ago. 
Yeah, it's a nice incentive because I mean, you know, the the amount that the referees get paid is pretty much pocket money. You know, you can't you can't referee for the money. You have to referee for the hobby. So to get a nice little bonus at the end, a nice bit of appreciation for the work that you do as well, is um, you know, it's really good. So we've talked about kind of the funding. We've talked about an incentive. Um, what else do we think that, that as leagues and as kind of county FAs in the football community um, need to do to try and um, kind of keep referees? Because I think recruitment is one thing, but I think retention seems to be almost a bigger problem, doesn't it? It's, we've just got people, droves and droves of people just walking away from the game. What do you think that we can do to keep them? I think the FAs need to be shown to be doing more when it does come to disciplinary matters. Um, I think they're probably taking too long and they're not publicising what, in the end, the player gets as, as a recompense um, for, you know, their actions. So in a way, you see all these examples of videos on social media of referees getting hit and, and things like that, but then you don't hear the what happens afterwards. So you just see everything going on, but you don't see you don't see what's happening. So therefore, you think that nothing's going on. Um, so I think the FAs just need to be a bit more transparent with that and show that they are supporting the referees because it look it kind of feels like they're not at the moment. I definitely agree with that. I I don't think the fines are enough. I don't think the suspensions enough. I just don't think generally there is enough communication and openness and transparency to kind of the football community about this is the situation that's gone on this is what happened we've investigated and now as a result we are going to do a b and c i think if referees kind of got that openness and got that communication and got that transparency and that they felt that somebody was in their corner and you know the punishment essentially fitted the crime i think that would be a, a huge incentive to referees staying in the game um, from a refereeing point of view, what more do you think that we can do as referees to kind of play our part in that? Because I was having a bit of a think about this today and I'm thinking, you know, I work in the NHS and one thing that we talk a lot about is around violence and aggression, sometimes from patients towards staff. For, and it could be for a number of different reasons. And a football pitch is reflective, essentially, I think, of kind of society. And, you know, you don't know what's going on in somebody's life. And I, and I would never condone any of this behaviour that goes on. But we know that people have difficulty in life and it gets brought to the football field. What do we think um, we can do as referees in terms of being able to try and manage that little better? Could we be better trained? Could we be better equipped in trying to deal with some of these things? That is, that is a good question. I mean, obviously, when you do your referees course, you're sat in a classroom and like they're educating you to qualify as a referee. You don't really get any refresher courses, do you? Mm. No, because yeah. one thing I was thinking about is around sort of in the NHS, they do a thing like kind of managing difficult situations and it's kind of like managing aggression. So, for example, if someone is quite irate or kind of they're in your face reading that kind of body language and behavior the thing that you don't do is then kind of start talking at them and getting in their space because that actually agitates them it winds them up more if mm. we had kind of like conflict resolution training as referees maybe you know we would um, approach that and maybe deal with that differently and we might get less incidents 
I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah, that would be good, a good idea. I, I do say as well to the captains, because I don't want to be given any sin bins. Um, you know, it, do, it doesn't really help anybody to go down to 10 players. Um, so I just say, you know, if you do see one of your players getting a bit agitated, just sub them off for 10 minutes yeah, and then bring another one on. That means they've got a chance to calm down on the side and you're still there with the 11 players. Um, so, you know, I think it's also the teams that need to kind of recognise when that sort of situation is happening. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm, I'm talking about kind of as a last resort. I think you're talking about what the club should do and that is ultimately take responsibility. Yeah. Absolutely every time the club and the captain has got a, a job and a responsibility. They need to take that a lot more seriously sometimes. The kind of the intervention I'm talking about might be kind of once that's then failed, we need to calm the situation down. But I think if we can, you know, we talk about equipment, don't we, on the field? You know, you've got your voice, you've got your body language, you've got your experience, you've got your whistle, you've got your red card, you've got your yellow card. If there's anything else that we can kind of give to refs in terms of their armour that will kind of diffuse some of these in these uh, difficult things, then, you know, maybe that's something which we ought to look at. But I, I guess it's probably funding and, and support for that, isn't it? Because there's not a lot of money about. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's also good to to have the WhatsApp groups and everything so that, um, you know, you can discuss with other referees and maybe they've got certain ideas or, or things that they do on the pitch that might, uh, that might boost your armour as well. Um, but yeah, I think general probably... A little bit of training in how to how to deal with conflict definitely would would help. Brilliant. Well, I have to say, I can't believe really where the time has gone. It's um, flown by. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, this is my first time on the um, on the podcast. Um, Chris will be back hopefully um, for next month. Um, Mark, thank you for the invitation on. I really do appreciate uh, sharing the, the chair with you tonight. Alex, thank you for coming on tonight. And in the wider sense, thank you for all what you do and for the contribution that you make to grassroots football. Um, you know, it, you, you've had a difficult time. It can't be easy. And um, from our league perspective, you know, we're going to be quite selfish and say, you know, we're, we're delighted that you did change your mind and we're delighted that you are still with us. So long may that continue. And I know that I speak for all of our clubs when I say that um, as well. So my thanks, Mark, to you and my thanks to Alex. Uh, I'm Greg Robber and I'm going to sign out on episode two of The Whistler. Thank you for listening. This week's Selk podcast was brought to you by Down to Play, the simple app for next game availability.